Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. hanging out. <laughs> um, well, hi. Uh, if we haven't met, my name is Sarah, and I would love to meet you. Um, we are in a series called Awakening to Happiness. Um, I previously called it something else, but it was, it was close. <laughs> um, but I want to talk about Awakening to Happiness, um, but I also want to acknowledge that it's maybe a hard week to talk about that. Uh, there's, there's been a lot going on this week, um, and I just want to say, before we move on, if you're having a hard time accessing happiness, that's okay. Um, so, I'm going to talk more about that later, but I just wanted to address it right away, um, that that might be hard for some people. Um, so, a while back, I shared about joy and how joy is accepting exactly what's in front of you minus your opinion of it. Um, And I don't think that that's an invitation to not think critically about anything, but it's an invitation to reframe the stories that we tell ourselves about the things that we experience. Um, And that's an insanely summarized version of that (laughs) that message, um, but this is part two of that message. Um, I think joy and happiness are very similar. They're not always the same. Um, but I'm going to talk about them in conjunction with one another um, and with conjun- in conjunction with the idea or the experience of freedom, if that's all right. And if not, I don't have anything else to talk about, so uh, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so some of you might know this if you follow me on the social medias. Um, but if not, I am in the process of recording and producing, releasing my first album, my first creative project of any kind that's being put into the world for people to buy with money um, or stream for not a lot of money. (laughs) Um, But I want to talk about my experience of happiness in the midst of that uh, and how my identity is related to my experience of happiness and joy in the midst of that, if that's cool. Um, Music has been a core part of my identity for my entire life. I have often said that music is my life and that's meant different things in different seasons. But I would say the part that's been true for my whole life is that I feel most like myself when I am engaging with music. And uh, I started singing the second I could talk, um, and I was was always singing as a kid and also as an adult. But um, (laughs) music has has been so many things to me over the years. And um, as a kid, I did not know how to communicate my needs, um, and because of that, I couldn't communicate boundaries or discomfort in my, or my experience of things without having a meltdown, and I understand why now, (laughs) but at, at the time, I didn't, and so I, I didn't understand my experience of the world as a kid. I think most kids don't, but, 
Um, I really didn't because there were, I just didn't have enough information. Um, but music really quickly turned into this safe place for me. Um, you music was something that I couldn't describe how or why, but it, 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 I enjoyed it and it made me feel good. It made me feel less alone. Um, it made me feel like no matter what was gonna happen, I was gonna be okay. And, and that was such a gift to me. Um, so I learned how to process my emotions through music. Um, usually that was just sitting alone, <laughs> listening to like Celine Dion or Mariah Carey or Britney Spears or the Spice Girls or Beyonce. Um, and my parents were surprised I became a feminist, but it was, it was in the cards. Um, but they were singing about things that were far beyond my comprehension level as a kid. I didn't, I didn't understand what they were singing about but I could feel what they were singing about. And I, as I sang with them, I could feel the emotion of it. Um, and the emotion was the same. I could feel loneliness in a song. I could feel passion or devotion or fear or sadness. Um, and I had a really hard time processing my emotions and I still do, but music made it so much easier. So I did the very human thing by clinging to it with every fiber of my being and um, making it my life. That was, it was the thing that felt good, so I'm gonna do everything for this thing. Um, music was who I was. Music was um, what I was gonna do for the rest of my life. And there was, beyond that, there was this, this emptiness that music couldn't fill. And I, it took me a long time to learn that. Um, that it was, myself, my, my soul, my personhood needed to fill that, and I didn't know how to do that. Um, so I went to college to get a degree in music so I could do music for the rest of my life. Uh, in my notes, it says laughs in music degree <laughs> because that's not what that means. It just means I have debt. Um, <laughs> but uh, when I was performing or recording music, it was like, because I had asked music to be my identity, every time I sang a flat note, I, I was crushed. My internal monologue was just how much of a piece of garbage I am. And that if music is my life and I can't do music well, then I, what value do I have? If, if this is the thing I'm supposed to be exceptional at and I can't do it exceptionally, then what is my worth? What is my value if I can't do this one thing that's my whole life well? Um, so I stopped enjoying music as much. I made it something that it wasn't supposed to be. I was asking, I was showing up to music asking, who am I? A and I, I was showing up empty handed asking, who am I? And music could offer me a lot of things, but it couldn't offer me who I am. Um, asking music to be my identity left me broken every time I wasn't incredible. I. I, <coughs> excuse me, um, I would show up to my time with music chasing feelings that I had spent years suppressing. And for the record, I think that this is really common. I think that a lot of people try to find their identity in the thing that brings them happiness. Um, I think uh, a lot of times trying to do that takes the happiness out of it. And I think people do this with their careers or, um, 
relationships, their hobbies, their their gods, their religions, their politics, their their family, um, and those things aren't bad. Um, often they are part of who we are, but I don't think that they're designed to be the entirety of who we are. And so when we make them those things, they lose the value of what they actually are. Um, so uh, then I found worship music, <laughs> and I suddenly found this new thing to be my identity, and it was just worshiping Jesus. So it was still music. I could show up to musical engagement and ask the question, who am I? And it was acceptable um, uh, because I was, just, I was just looking for Jesus. It's just the wind or a ghost. Um, <laughs> the door just opened. So um, welcome, whoever you are. Um, <laughs> but I... Uh, that was very distracting. <laughs> I would show up to worship music, and I would ask, who am I? And, and it was valid because I was looking for it from Jesus. And I would, I would like, say that's who I was. And it was a lot more acceptable because I was just a worshiper of Jesus. And that is a very, very well-received sentence in evangelical worlds. To say, like, my identity is a worshiper of Jesus. And no matter how well-received it was and authentic in a lot of ways— Trying to show up to worship without having a clue of who I was doesn't produce very authentic worship. I, I even if I could lead worship vulnerably, um, singing about the ways that uh, you picked a perfect song, singing about the ways that I felt so empty and I felt like Jesus, I need you to fill me up. I, I the ways that I felt shame, the ways that I felt inadequate. There's beauty in that, and I think that like th I approach those songs very differently now. It, Whereas when I was showing up without a clue of who I was. Um, and I met a lot of worship leaders in, in my time in that world, and some of them truly had no idea who they were outside of being a worshiper of Jesus. And sometimes that's a really beautiful thing, and sometimes it's just people just don't know who they are outside of being a worshiper of Jesus. And um, I think that they will probably have a very rough time <laughs> when that world crumbles or that, that thing crumbles um, because I had a very rough time when it crumbled, and um, my hope is that they would experience the freedom that I have. Um, so much of the passion that I expressed in leading worship was this desperate desire to quiet the voices in my head that were always telling me I was not enough, um, that I wasn't playing the guitar well enough, or I wasn't playing keys well enough, or I wasn't singing well enough, or I wasn't engaging enough, I wasn't helping other people engage well enough, I wasn't listening to the Holy Spirit, and no matter how loud I led worship, people experienced that as passion, and um, that I was really engaged with God, but I was just desperate to know who I was, and it, it was just, the internal experience was a very different experience than what other people saw. Um, so, I moved out to Colorado a couple years ago, and I took a break from leading worship for a while, and I tried to write all these songs, these worship songs in, in this secret place um, that were just for me and Jesus, and the more that I did that, the more I started writing songs that were about what was going on beneath the surface. I started writing about how misunderstood I felt, about um, how scared I was to be honest with the people in my life about who I was, my, my gender, my sexuality, my, um, my identity, and, and it was 
it was a very lonely season of my life, so there was, there was a lot more silence than I was used to. Um, but in that silence, I started to find who I actually was. And you guys have heard a lot of that story, or if you haven't, come talk to me, I'd love to tell you. Um, so I wanna, I wanna fast forward a little bit, if that's cool. Um, over, over the last two years, we have all had <laughs> a lot more opportunity to reflect <laughs> and uh, think about things. Uh, so over the last two years,